The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 30. So today we're actually going to do a part two to the last episode on sanctification and sin. If you listen to the end of that episode, I kind of stumbled into a whole nother side of this discussion about sin and the difference between what is going on inside of you versus what is going on outside of you. And so in the last episode, I talked a lot about what was going on inside of you. I'll give you a brief overview of that in the beginning of this one. And then this episode, we're going to get into how do you live a life free from sin on the outside? Because that is also possible, believe it or not. If you can actually be like Christ, wouldn't you want to? Or do you believe that you'll never actually get there? Well, I tend to believe we can live there, and that is actually where humanity is going. So I look forward to unpacking it with you. And as always, let's get started. All right, guys, here we are. Part two of sanctification and sin again. (laughs) Oh, man, this is one of those subjects I just have not spent a lot of my brain space in for years and years and years. Not because it's not important, but just because, honestly, it's a settled issue in my mind. And I'm hoping that these two episodes can make it a settled issue in your mind. And to be honest, it all interplays with other stuff. If you listen to the last episode episode number 29. Uh, I didn't even call it part one because I didn't know it was going to be part one at the time. But if you listen to the last episode, I talk about how this whole thing's kind of been a response to some questions and some challenges that people have had to episode number 26, I think. It was, uh, let me look it up here, the salvation from what episode? Yeah, episode 26. This episode, I'm going to refer to even episode number 15, Holy Spirit 101. And so, again, this all interplays together. And when you begin to understand how life is not so segmented as the religious systems would like you to think, you begin to realize the value of kind of the modern day version of a pastor known as a life coach or, you know, mentoring. Back in biblical times, you had that rabbi relationship with disciples and everything like that. I mean, guys, life is so intertwined with everything that the segmentation of your spirituality from your finances or your finances from your relationships or your relationships from your body. I mean, it's all very much a part of your existence. Clearly, you exist and all of those things are there. And I want New Age Christianity to be a community of people that knows how to have those discussions and how to, for lack of a better way to say it, how to integrate uh, reality with spirituality because they are the same. Anyways, this particular episode, a bit interested to see what comes out because I'm going to do my best to convey some very new perspectives that I believe the Spirit has given me over the last six to seven months. Um, Those of you who know me personally, you've probably noticed that this has been a difficult season. I've even mentioned it a few times on the podcast episodes. But very few of you, you know, have, have I felt the, had the release from the Spirit 
to share details. It's just suffice to say it has been the most difficult seven months of my life. And as of the moment of this recording, it's still not over. But it has taught me some of the things that I'm wishing I could have known before all of this. (laughs) Because I'm thinking there may have been a chance that had I known this, I wouldn't have to have lived through this. Not that one of the things I've learned is uh, we ask, why God? Why did this happen or why did that happen? And I've realized that there is never, ever, ever a moment where our minds get that why in advance of the thing happening. So let's say you've got something coming in your future or you something's happening and you want to know why and that why hasn't been clear yet. And you realize there's never been a time where you were right about the why and it made you feel better. Even if you were right, you don't feel better about it until after it's happened. So you might say, well, this is happening to teach me this. And you may be right. But until you actually learn it and you can look back and go, oh, I was right. Then suddenly you'll find that your soul kind of has this relaxed like, oh, now I know why this hard thing happened. Or now I know why this challenge happened. And that's maybe 5% of the time that you're actually right. The other 95% of the time, you have no clue why something is happening, why life is happening in a particular way. And you'll realize that all of the pain and the emotional pain, all of the emotional drama, it comes down to a resistance to what is, and you're trying to fill the gap. So, you know, let's say your arm is cut off and that is what it is. And you want to go, why God, why did you cut my right arm off? It's as if, if you knew why suddenly you'd be okay with it. Like that's, I don't know anybody who would like, there's a measure of like, well, if the why is cosmic enough, then I might be okay with it. But we try to fill the gap in between where we are and where we wish we were by asking the question, why? Why is this the way it is? And really what it is, is that all of that pain and all that emotional drama comes from the resistance that this is what it is. And it's something that I have been learning, and it's a little nugget. I may even just kind of chap that out and throw that up on Facebook, like that resistance all comes from wanting to know why. And the reality is, is that you've never been able to answer that question to a sufficient level that made you feel better until much later. And then if you look back and you realize, okay, everything that you're looking back on that you still don't understand why, I can guarantee you that those are all the areas in which you're still harboring bitterness or unforgiveness or pain or hurt because you don't understand why your arm got cut off three years ago, right? It still doesn't make sense. And though somehow if it made sense and you could see, you know, that old proverb, that old Chinese proverb of we shall see where, you know, the farmer has son um, goes out and finds wild horses that and brings them back. And everyone says, oh, how fortunate you are. And he says, yeah, we shall see. And then the son is breaking in one of the horses the next day and he falls off the horse and he breaks his leg. And they say, oh, how unfortunate for you. Your son broke his leg. And the farmer says, yeah, we shall see. And then the Chinese military rolls through and says, you know, all young men between this age and this age need to come to war unless you're disabled. And of course, his son has a broken hip or a broken leg and he can't go to war. And they say, oh, how fortunate for you. You know, your son is safe. And he goes, yeah, we shall see. 
And then because all the men are off at war, he's the only guy in town at a particular age. And so he gets his pick of all the beautiful women and he gets the most beautiful woman. And they say, oh, how fortunate for you. Your son has a beautiful wife. And he says, we shall see. And then the beautiful wife dies giving childbirth. And they say, oh, how unfortunate for you. Your daughter-in-law is dead and we shall see. And so on and so forth. You get this point where if you've ever heard that parable, it's that we don't really know how to measure what is in our lives. We think we do. And we like to look back and we like to measure those things. For those of you who know this community, uh, Christopher Teasdale, who's done a few uh, episodes with me on this podcast, he passed away a couple weeks ago. And literally in four or five days from zero to gone, he was my best friend. He was uh, a brother. And, you know, other than him and and a couple other guys, I've never been so close to somebody in my life. And the obvious question is, why, God? Why? And the real answer is, we shall see. We shall see why. And there will be thousands of them. None of them, not a single one, will be sufficient. If your arm got cut off, is there really an answer that's sufficient? If your leg breaks when you fall off a horse, is there really an answer that's sufficient to say, well, he didn't have to go to war, but I mean, honestly, he's still paralyzed. And why are we at war anyway? Nothing is so static and singular as to say, well, if I understood why Chris passed away, then I would be fine. No, guys, there is no answer that will suffice. All of the whys in the world will still not make that quote unquote okay. And so in the end, you're kind of left with this philosophical reality that asking why may not actually be our job. Needing to know why may not actually be the thing that we were created for. And I would argue that, that Solomon knew this when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. When you know Most Christians read the book of Ecclesiastes and they have I mean, they almost view it as like, why is this even in the Bible? Solomon's clearly depressed. He doesn't, (laughs) it's like he's lost his mind. I've literally heard people say that the wisest man in the world got so wise that, you know, he thought he was smarter than God. And then he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes and clearly he just went off the deep end and into cuckoo land. And the funny thing is that either Solomon was the wisest man and he wrote that book in wisdom or he was cuckoo, or is it possible that maybe it's your interpretation because you don't understand it yet? And this is where I've kind of realized like there is a measure of playing this game, this philosophical game, this I need to know why I need to be able to find peace with the things that have happened because I need to be able to understand them. And somehow that understanding is going to give me that peace. And in the end, guys, it never really does. But there is a way to live. There is a way to live in this world that I do believe brings you peace. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is within you. And I love Bethel Church, right? And there was this season where I was listening to a lot of their concepts and and one of their big things is bringing heaven to earth. And they want to affect their communities. And and I've built NAC as my version of this and other projects I'm working on are my attempt to change the world around me. But in the end, that's not where heaven is anyway. And so If I can find heaven within me, then maybe, just maybe, I can have the peace that surpasses understanding. Maybe I can live in a world with no tears, 
no sorrow and all of that stuff. And I've touched on this in the last episode 28 on the human experience. I've touched on it with my uh, thing about the Toltec. I can't remember what episode that was. When, when did I talk about three things I'm learning from Toltec was uh, episode 25. And this is all intertwined in that journey. And that leads me to today's podcast. It leads me to how do you live this life in a world without sin? Because in the end, sin is hell. Sin is the manifestation of darkness in your life. And I don't mean Satan and all. I just mean the, the reality of I am notness, that that is sin. And if you want to live without sin on the inside, listen to the previous episode where I tell you that it's literally the faith differentiating between sin on the inside and sin on the outside, sin in your nature and sin in your actions. And if you understand that faith is the only thing that will make your nature sin-free, faith is the only thing that will manifest righteousness from the inside, think about it. You can't do actions on the inside. You have to simply believe or not believe. The actions come out of it. And that's a whole nother discussion that we're going to have right now. But this is my overview of the previous episode of sin on the inside being done away with, that nature being changed from your Adam nature to your Christ nature, that he's not waiting for a spotless bride. He's not waiting for you to fix yourself. He came and fixed you, past tense. And the difference between the Old Testament definition of sin and the New Testament definition of sin. And then, in last but not least, the difference between teleos and teleo, two Greek words that mean perfection. And teleos being spiritual perfection, when Jesus says, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, he uses the word teleos. And then when Jesus says, on the third day I shall be perfected, Jesus is already spiritually perfect, but he was talking about a different kind of perfection. And then you go in Philippians 3, verses 12 and 15, you get these same two words for perfection, where Paul says in one verse, he's not perfect, and then another verse that he is perfect. And so I don't want to belabor the point. Just go back and listen to the previous episode if you haven't. I'm just trying to mostly remind those of you who listened to it last week, or if you're binge listening, that you just finished it and you don't need this. But that is how you handle the perfection and sinlessness on the inside. Through the power of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit, you are perfect, done, finished, good to go. You're not getting any more perfect on the inside. You either are or you aren't, and it is faith that gives it to you. Good. Glad we had this chat. (laughs) So now, let's talk about how to live this. Okay. To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Where do you think that knowing comes from? Right. If you, again, use the example of the two of us walking down the street, there's a homeless guy and he's supposed to get $10. God tells me not to give it to him. And I do. God tells you to give it to him and you don't. The guy got his $10, but we both disobeyed God. Right. So that exercise is a complete failure. That's the very short version. Again, listen to the previous episode if you want the longer version. So we're talking about, you know, I knew that I wasn't supposed to give him $10, but I did it anyway because I'm a bleeding heart and I'm foolish with my money and I don't discern people. And sure enough, that $10 is just to get that guy drunk again and blah, blah, blah. And you're stingy and you're not a bleeding heart. And Jesus wanted, you know, the Holy Spirit wanted you to 
be generous and work on your generosity and believing in the best in people and you ignored it. So that whole him who knows the right thing to do and he does not do it, to him it is sin. Where does that knowing come from? Well, it comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the Holy Spirit? So to who knows what to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. That comes from James 4.17. And in Romans 14.23, you have the other definition So in the previous episode, I talked about the two definitions of sin, and I kind of outlined them as being internal and external. But I'm actually now going to take you to a whole nother level in this. So this is spiral of truth stuff, right? So a whole nother level is, yes, they're internal and external, but actually they are directly connected. And you see that in Romans 14.22, where he says, anything that is not of faith is sin in 14.23. But the funny thing is in 14.22, let me read this. 1422, the faith which you have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Now, this is contextually talking about eating food sacrificed to idols. And so 1423 says, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and whatever is not from faith is sin. So you actually come full circle that your actions still come from the faith that comes from the inside. And when I said at the end that imagine if you believed you were righteous, do you think your actions would not be righteous to follow? And this is that connection between the two, that it's still all seamless, that if you believe you're righteous on the inside, your actions will begin to flow in righteousness on the outside. And then all you have to do, once you believe that, is literally follow one law. And that is... If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, then you yourself will be convicted. I love how he says, Paul doesn't say God is now keeping record of your sin again and you're going to have to go to hell because you didn't follow the Holy Spirit. No, he just says, happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. Like the faith which you have as your own conviction before God. Paul is literally saying, guys, faith has literally nothing to do with God's approval because you are approved. Newsflash, the gospel literally is translated as news that is too good to be true. The gospel is you are approved. God is not keeping record of anything that you've done wrong. He is keeping record of everything you do beautifully and everything that you build on faith. If you build on the foundation with faith, then that, regardless of what it looks like, you are believing in God. You are believing and you are following that voice. This is how you get people who do some of the craziest things in the Bible and they said, and it was God who told them to do it. It's Hosea, whose wife was a prostitute, right? If you understand Jewish law, Hosea was, I mean, every time he slept with his wife, every time... Like she should have been stoned and everything. And yet Hosea was considered a prophet and was told by God to do this crazy thing. Abraham himself was told by God to sacrifice his son and Abraham's willing to do it. And it says that was attributed to him as righteousness because it's faith. Again, literally the craziest, stupidest things. If you do it in faith, I'm telling you that is the conviction and the joy and the happiness that Paul is talking about. So if you want to 
live the external, you got to listen to the previous episode. You got to have that understanding of the internal faith. But then now let's get into some, some practice that, okay, so I believe I'm righteous. I believe I'm perfect. I believe I'm holy. Now, how do I live this life? And I just gave you, you have one rule. And a really simple way to say it is the Holy Spirit is to the new covenant what the law was to the old covenant, if you're a Bible person. Meaning the old covenant had a bunch of lists and rules. It's no different than the government has a bunch of laws. Israel was a theocracy, which meaning all their laws were religious laws, and you had to do all of those things. Not unlike uh, the Islamic idea of a uh, uh, Sharia law, right? Um, And a caliphate that the religion runs the country. That's what Israel was. And so if you wanted to obey the law, it was the same as obeying God. In the new way to obey the law, the one law is literally do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Be convinced in your own heart, be convicted in your own mind, and you will be happy is he. I love it. It's been a long time since I read this verse. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. Meaning, if you condemn yourself and what you approve, by default, you're doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing. So anything that is not of faith is sin. So that's the internal mechanism and how it starts to reach out into the external actions. Now, you might be listening to this and you might be one of those Christians that's like, yeah, but what if Billy thinks that smoking pot is okay? Well, who gives a shit? That is not your job. If Billy thinks that smoking pot is okay, and you are certain that it is not, really? Now, I'm not going to break that down much further than to just ask you, really? Like, just read the Bible, people. Read. Think of any cultural context of what you just are certain is sinful, right? I mean, you are certain that murder is sinful, except when it's a called war and a whole bunch of people agree to murder a whole bunch of other people. That's not sin because now that's war and that's righteousness and we need to kill all the Muslims or the Muslims need to kill all the Christians or whatever. So you realize that these so-called definitions that you're 100% certain of for other people's lives, if you change the circumstances and you change the time frame and you change the details, you can get a different answer. And you can get a different application of what is righteous in different scenarios. There's not a single thing that you can throw at me that you can't poke holes in based on cultural context, timing, and everything like that. Now, I'm not here to debate actions. I'm here to give you principles. Because if you can live off the principle that I'm trying to convey to you, then there's literally no answer that you don't have the power to find for yourself. This is the philosophical equivalent of me trying to teach you how to fish. I want to teach you how to know exactly what is and is not sin. I'm not trying to give you a bunch of fish and say, this is the list of things you're not allowed to do. That is not how this kingdom works. Certainly not how New Age Christianity works that each one of us would be convicted in our own minds and that the Holy Spirit would be your law. Let me ask you this. If the Holy Spirit is there to lead you into truth and if the Holy Spirit is to grow you into maturity, do you think that maybe there's certain things you might do now that he's not going to call you on that maybe five years from now he will call you on? 
So was it about that ultimately spirit wanted to make sure that you wouldn't drink alcohol? Or maybe it's for now, he's got more important things to work on and you may be a drunk. And then five years from now, he's going to address your drunkenness. He's going to address the fact that you're an alcoholic and he's going to free you from that dependency because you have grown and become more mature. But right now you're abusing your children and maybe that's more important right now. Maybe the Holy Spirit isn't so concerned about every little thing, but he's more interested about growing you and maturing you and pruning you and letting seasons come and seasons go and that you would grow and become someone in something that gets better and better and better and better. You're already righteous on the inside, but now your actions begin to reflect it more and more and more. And this is, by the way, where Christians often get confused between what sanctification is, because that is in the Bible, by the way, that we are becoming more. And so people take that and they go, see, I'm still a sinner and I suck. And so I'm here to tell you, your actions can get better and better and better, but your nature is either white or black people. Like there is no gray in your nature. You're either of Adam and sinful or you are of Christ and you are righteous. So, I would argue you are of Christ and you are righteous. And I'm not even going to get into like the whole salvation thing. And I believe all of humanity is righteous in Christ because he died for everyone. First John two. Okay. First John chapter two. But regardless of what your beliefs are on that, I'm assuming you're a Christian. I'm assuming that you're listening to this and this episode is for you. And I'm telling you, you are righteous in Christ. The internal nature is not about becoming more and more and more. Now you're just talking about the external maturity of what is already true on the inside. And in that case, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. You have one rule to follow. And you'll know that you broke that rule if you lay your head down on your pillow at night and you are not, as Paul says, again, happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. If you lay your head down on the pillow at night and you condemn yourself in something that you did that day, then there's either one of two things. Either you did sin willfully because you knew you shouldn't have done it and you did it anyway, or it's something that you did and then on the after the fact, the Holy Spirit says, hey, now that you did that, let me show you that maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. Or maybe today wasn't the best time to do that and you need to learn when and how to do things. It's a relationship, people. It's not a list. It's a process. It's organic. It is moving. It is living. It is breathing. And it is not so formulaic as to say, well, murder is bad unless X, Y, and Z. Because again, throw in any cultural context. Yes, murder is bad. I believe there are times where the Holy Spirit would absolutely lead somebody to pull the trigger to save the life of an innocent or to save the life of a spouse or whatever. And suddenly we feel justified because it is about that justification in our own heart, that the conviction comes from within and that the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into all righteousness. And so the Holy Spirit, if you want to go listen to episode 15, I do a whole thing on the Holy Spirit as the 101 on who Holy Spirit is in you. And the long and short of it is the Holy Spirit is your I amness connected to the universal consciousness of God. So Father is 
consciousness itself, the very substance. And that consciousness knows all things, it's in all places at all times, experiencing everything right now all the time. You are an individual expression that is inside of time and space. You are essentially a drop from the ocean. If the ocean is Father, you are one drop. And the Holy Spirit is you reaching into that ocean and pulling out whatever specific drop of knowledge or insight or whatever that you need. The Holy Spirit is access to all the knowledge of Father. That Holy Spirit is you as God and your individual I amness. And so there's a reason that Holy Spirit for most of us is like the funniest person in the world because it's actually us. Holy Spirit is actually you. It's your I amness in God. I unpack it more in episode 15 if you want to go further into that. But on a very practical level, if you want to follow that Holy Spirit, you want to follow that voice to him who knows the right thing to do, if you want to know what the right thing to do is, there's a lot of different words we use for this, but it's, you know, what does your heart tell you? What does your gut tell you? You know, what does your intuition tell you? If you're in the Christian world, what is spirit saying? Another thing that he does is he speaks through signs or omens or other forms of spiritual communication, prophecy, stuff like that. The Holy Spirit or God speaks to us in many, many ways. But in the end, it all comes down to that internal conviction in the moment, the internal intuition in the moment, where the better you get at listening to that voice, the more and more you realize that you be, you can lay your head down at night with that much more peace because you have gotten better and better and better at listening to that voice. I think the best word is probably intuition because it does imply a higher knowledge without just putting it all on your gut. And intuition does kind of bring into the discussion. If you just tell somebody like, hey, my intuition is saying this, even the most skeptical people will acknowledge, well, you know, intuition kind of is legit. If you say my heart is saying this, then people go, oh, the heart is deceitfully wicked and da-da-da. And that <laughs> it, little interjection for that one, you were given a new heart. So your heart is no longer deceitfully wicked. It was made from stone, which was a list of rules on rocks. And now it's flesh. So your heart is not deceitfully wicked, but people still believe that. People still think, well, I can't trust your heart because you're selfish. I can't trust your heart because you don't have my best interest at heart. It, like all of that stuff is in there. So intuition to me is probably the best word, but it's all of those words. And the point is, is that you connect to that. And if you live from that, and this is very simple, simple, simple. Live from your heart. Live from your intuition. Live from the spirit. And you will never, ever be in a position that you're not supposed to be in. Even the worst things, there is a higher thing going on. And so I'm going to do, oh my gosh, there is so much here. So much here to explain. How do you follow that voice? How do you think you follow that voice in a world filled with 7.7 billion other people who also have that voice? I am not talking about people who live from their head, right? That is those who live from the tree of knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It is a beautiful thing when it is a servant. It's a terrible thing when it's a master. When you live from your head, this hypothetical question doesn't apply to those people in that they are living in hell. And by the way, that's most people. But let's say you start to live from the spirit. You start to live from the heart. And 
you are trying to surround yourself with a community of people who do the same, which hint, hint, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to teach you how to live the way that I am attempting to live because I believe this is the path to manifested sonship, manifested perfection, to be able to lay my head down every night and feel the outworkings of the righteousness that is inside of me and to change the world around me as the Holy Spirit deems necessary. I no longer have this need to change the world as a source of happiness for me. If I never get past doing these few podcast episodes and for whatever reason the Holy Spirit tells me to go sit under a tree for the next thousand years and meditate, I can genuinely say that to the best of my current perspective that I would be able to find happiness in that. Now, being effective and being meaningful and changing your life, that is happiness to me. And so all I am doing right now is simply doing what makes me happy. This is not some assignment by the Spirit. It is a reality of who I am. And I've not measured it with my mind. Most people measure reality with their mind. And out comes all the disagreements, all of the pain, all of the suffering, and all of the hell. So those people aside, what is it like for you and me? I'm someone who's trying to live by the Spirit perfectly. And you're someone who's trying to live by the Spirit perfectly. What do you do when we have a decision to make and we both are feeling different things? What do you do with other people in a world where everyone is trying to live this way and it's so organic that we come to this point of decision and my interpretation of what Spirit is saying is different from yours? And how do you, you know, because we have this perception that there's only one right answer. And I'm the one who has it. <laughs> There's only one right answer, people. And we all know that it's me who's got the right answer. If you couldn't tell, that was a bit sarcastic. Because that is the trap we fall into. So inside of following this voice, which is the main point of this podcast, I've already kind of conveyed, like, you want to see physical manifested perfection in your life. Follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. Understand that's where your faith comes from. That's where your conviction comes from. But then on the practice side of it, it is very difficult in the beginning to understand how to interact with a world of other people doing this when you have the potential for different opinions and different agreements. And so if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, you've probably heard me refer to the four agreements and the fifth agreement. And I was in a conversation with my wife talking about this the other day and realized, oh my gosh, all the questions that she's throwing at me about how to live this way, one of the agreements is the answer. And so what do you do when Holy Spirit tells me to go left and Holy Spirit tells you to go right? And we've also feel the impression that we're supposed to be together. What do you do with that? Well, one of the things is, is you don't take it personally. That's the third agreement. If the person who says I'm supposed to go left and the person who says I'm supposed to go right, they take this personally of like, wait, so you're saying I'm wrong? You're saying that I'm not hearing Holy Spirit? No, no, no. Time out, time out, time out. I believe that you believe that's exactly what the Spirit is telling you. And maybe we don't have a track record. Maybe we don't have a track record that I can actually trust you, but does it mean I can't believe you? Like, what am I going to do? Like, tell you, no, 
I don't believe you. By implication, you're saying, I think you're lying to me on purpose. Of course they're not. If you're living this life and I say, hey, man, Holy Spirit's telling me to go left. Even if I'm wrong, the fact that I think that is true. And you can argue with the truth of my opinion all day long, but to take it personally and attack me personally and say, you're doing this on purpose. Guys, that's stupid. So believing each other and not taking it personally is by all means one of the tools you need in order to live this way in peace. Yet the fifth agreement says you don't believe anybody, including yourself, you simply listen. And there's a different layer on that, which I would say, even if I say, hey guys, I'm supposed to go left, I do know, however, that I might be wrong. Or you think you're supposed to go right, and I do know that you might be wrong. This is where I can believe that you think that's what you said. I'm not suspecting that you're lying to me. But at the same time, I don't believe you so much so that I'm a thousand percent certain that you're right. And this comes in really handy when there's somebody in your life that you either distrust or maybe you're super trustful of your own path or maybe you're super trustful of somebody in your life. You know, I have people in my life that because of my track record, I think they do give me quite a bit of credit for being right with the Holy Spirit. There's no part of me that says, hey, just believe me because I said it. No, don't take it personally and don't assume that I'm lying to you. So believe me on that level, but don't necessarily believe that I'm right because I may not be. So that's the fifth agreement. Listen, but don't believe. And also don't believe yourself because you might be wrong. And so there's a humility that comes there. And there's a grace and an honor that comes there. You might be wrong, what the Holy Spirit is telling you. That's okay. I'm not so invested in you being right that I get offended anyway. Because I'm kind of always holding out that maybe you are wrong. Oh, and guess what? Maybe I am too. And so you allow honor and respect into the discussion. When you just listen to people, you ask questions, you believe that their answers are the best that they've got. And hence now I just touched on the fourth agreement. Do your best, right? Look, if you know that you are ignoring Holy Spirit and I say, hey, I think we're supposed to go left and you go, no, no, I want to go right because over to the right is something you want. But you really know that you're supposed to go left. Well, then you're not doing your best. And on top of that, in our interaction, I may have a sneaky suspicion that you're full of crap and that you know we're supposed to go left too. But guess what? Now, I'm not going to take it personally. I'm not going to fully believe that you're right and I'm going to listen to you. And have, But even in then, maybe I'm 99% sure that you're just full of crap, but I'm going to do my best to operate with these principles myself. I'm going to give you honor. I'm going to give you respect because even when it's painful, even when it's difficult, All we can do is our best and all we can hope from anybody else is their best. And even if they're not giving us their best, do you want to lower your standards to meet theirs? No, you still want to do your best. And so now you then have, want to go to the same way, but we feel like we're supposed to go separate ways. And this is, I mean, fill in the blank with anything, whether it's a business decision, a finance decision, or even small things like what movie to go see. Like, I don't necessarily think this is about you know, hey, Holy Spirit, should I order a cheeseburger or a macaroni and cheese? I mean, you can certainly ask him. I'm not one of those that looks down on people who live that way. If you want to live that way, great. Like, Holy Spirit does care enough. He's like, no, you should have the cheeseburger. Like, great. But I'm not saying you have to do that. 
But point being is, so any decision, when I say go separate ways, I mean, it's literally just different opinions, different decisions on how to live on when I say I know the right thing to do and I do not do it. My definition of the right thing to do may be different than yours, while at the same time holding this desire that they were the same and how do we interact with each other. And this is where the first agreement comes in is be impeccable with your word. And I have found in this process for myself that there are ways in which you say things, there are ways in which you convey what Holy Spirit has told you that words matter. Okay. If I come to you and say, God told me to do this. Well, there's no way you can argue with me. There's no way you can challenge me. There's no way you can say, hey, bro, are you sure? Because what? I just pulled the God card out and now you're arguing with the creator of the universe. You're not arguing with Austin. You're arguing with God. Well, maybe there's a better way to say this because we are talking about living that way where it is about saying, hey, everything I do, I only do what I see the Father doing and I want to manifest this life of God in the flesh. And so in essence, the God card is always out, but you don't need to slap people with it. Instead of, hey, God told me to do this, to say, hey, I feel like maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Another one is, is, you know, Jesus says that those who follow the Spirit are like the wind. You don't know where they're coming or where they're going. You just know where they're at. And so, you know, take no thought for tomorrow. My will is to do the will of my Father. I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. And I do it today. And I don't worry about tomorrow. And I don't mess with all the whys and all this stuff kind of comes in and you realize that you can live this life with a humility and a way of saying, look, to the best of my ability, this is what I feel spirit is telling me to do. And I have found one of the number one things that challenged me was Holy Spirit rarely talks very far out into the future. You know, people want to make these plans and people want to have all this stuff that, Hey, you know, can you come to my nephew's birthday party in June? And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, yeah, no problem. That's, you know, but sometimes you're like, I don't know what my life is going to look like in June because I'm living this life like the wind. And so to tell people, so this is where people who live this life, people who follow the spirit often get a reputation for being flaky. They often get a reputation for being unreliable. Why? Because they're like the wind. And if you just learned uptick your maturity and living that way a bit. You're still living the right way. You're still doing what spirit is doing, but stop making promises that he hasn't told you to make. And then if he does say, yes, go to that party, then you better freaking go. Like be, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I don't see Jesus constantly flaking out because his intuition said, go over here now. So one of the ways which that I very practically started doing things and I realized I did it without even trying is that People have been wanting me to make commitments for my time. And sometimes it's like almost an elasticity in how far out spirit will allow me to see or allow me to plan. And some things, you know, you can have you plan three years out, depending on what it is. And other things, it's, I don't even know what I'm going to do this afternoon. And so I've had some meetings with some friends in the last couple of weeks where one of them I planned two weeks out and I felt the peace to do that. And another one, you know, I had this discussion of uh, whether or not I was going to be available like the next morning. And I said, hey, when do you need an answer by? Because I don't know. So it's not me just 
being flaky. It's me honoring the fact that this person needs to make plans too. And so when do you need an answer by? Because if I give you an answer, I want to follow through with it. But right now, I don't have peace to give you an answer. So I also don't want to be this non-committal, flaky, you know, annoying person that, oh, you know, Austin, he'll never actually commit to anything. No, I want to be the type of person when they say, when Austin commits, he'll be there. I know he'll be there because he committed to it. But he doesn't commit to everything. He knows when to hold it. He knows when to say no. And who's the one leading that? It's spirit. All right. This isn't just about moral stuff. Now, this is about how to live your life. And again, if you can uptick your maturity and how you talk, and this is that first agreement, be impeccable with your word, work on your languaging, work on your ability to follow spirit, to do what he says every time, every day. And you'll find that this elasticity with time and different things where you know, if you want to be the person who says, should I get the cheeseburger or the macaroni and cheese? Fine. But it's not so much to say that every little thing you need Holy Spirit's permission, but it is to always ask him, hey, Holy Spirit, do you have an opinion on whether or not I should have a cheeseburger or a mac and cheese? I mean, I would like to think if the Holy Spirit knew that the mac and cheese would give you food poisoning, that if you just paused, that you would have the intuition, you know, I want a cheeseburger. And it doesn't mean you have to tell everyone at the table, Holy Spirit told me to get a cheeseburger. You don't, This isn't about becoming super spiritual buttheads either. This is just about the ebb and flow of a way of living from intuition, a living from the heart. And there are some mechanics about not living from the head that um, I know I've done some talking on some of that too. But we measure, you know, our heads kick in. Well, why shouldn't I have the mac and cheese? I really like mac and cheese. Last time I had mac and cheese, it was really good. But look, just live from the intuition. Don't mess with your mind. Let your mind be a tool, not a master. Some really great resources out there for this. You know, all the Toltec stuff from Miguel Ruiz and his sons. You can find those books on the website in the store. And then even The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, you can find that in the store. There's just a lot of great perspectives on kind of how to come out of your mind and live from your heart. And that is where Holy Spirit dwells. And that's where your life dwells. And this entire thing is what it means to die to the knowledge of good and evil and start living from the tree of life. And so when Holy Spirit is your law and Holy Spirit is your guide and you begin to live from that place, it really does become about what is it your intuition is saying? What is the conviction and the thing that leads you to do things and not do things? And don't worry about God and the world judging what it is. If Holy Spirit told you to do it, do it. I don't care what it is. Depending on what it is, you should have people in your life that you give the openness to ask questions. And if they're living by these agreements and they're not judging you, they're not taking personally, they're not making assumptions about anything, they're just, you've given the freedom to them to say, hey, this does seem a little off. Can I ask you some clarifying questions? You don't have to take it personally. You don't have to make assumptions. And you're both having a respectful conversation. And at the end of it, you say, nope, this is still what I feel to do. If you don't do it at that point, then it's on you. Because now you're not doing the thing you know you're supposed to do. It's regardless of the action, whether it's a cheeseburger or going to war or whatever. It is literally regardless of the action. You can only live a certain way and expect other people to live a certain way. And if we all live that way, 
I believe we would all dwell in our internal heaven and heaven would find its way into our external lives and boom, heaven on earth. So I hope you've enjoyed these last two episodes and then even (laughs) episode 26 on salvation from what they're all kind of intertwined and this episode, um, not the last one, but this one particular is kind of this latest shift that I've been going in. And I believe the New Age Christian community is primed to become a group of people that live this way. I am extremely excited to start building a new life with this having been the modus operandi. I, fair warning, if you have been living out of your mind and the knowledge of good and evil and you start to live from the tree of life from your heart, there will be a transition period that may or may not be hell on earth. Because... <laughs> In the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. So literally death is the only way out of that system. But for me, hopefully I can be a beacon and a sounding board on the other side of that chasm for you to come from death to life. And, you know, I have my own testimony and there's people in my life that have their own testimonies. And it is worth it, I promise you. Um, it has almost killed me and those and others around me, but it's worth it. And so I want to live in heaven every day and the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. And this is literally how it works to the best of my ability in 45 minutes. I get to tell you, this is how it works and we'll be unpacking it as a community for years to come. Hope you enjoy guys. As always, please consider donating. I highly appreciate those of you who do donate. And even if as long as you consider it, thank you. You know, trust the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is the episode to say it again. I've only ever wanted a community of people that would ask the Holy Spirit, hey, should I donate? And if the answer is yes, then you should do it. If the answer is no, thanks for asking. Asking him. God bless you guys. I'll see you on the next episode. Talk to you later.